Okay, guys, another special episode. You already know we have all these special guests and special episodes just for you. Uh, due to what's going on in the current market, you have a lot of time to sit at home and observe the content. And that's what we want to do here with you. And today we have this special guest who's going to be putting a lot of great content for you guys about real estate investing. He's going to be going through his journey. How did he start it? Uh, what's the process for him in real estate business right now? The coronavirus, we're going to be touching a lot of different, you know, subjects in, in today's topic. So first of all, Brian Kolkendorfer is the managing member of ARC Equity Group, a Chicago-based real estate investment firm specializing in acquiring and operating apartment properties in Midwest. Brian is general um, and limited partner in over 800 apartment units with a total value of approximately $60 million. He has 13 years of experience as a commercial real estate broker and has been involved in over 600 million real estate transactions throughout his career, primarily in multifamily. At ARC, Brian leverages his investment and brokerage experience to oversee the firm's acquisition and operational strategy. So again, I just want to thank you for being here today on the show, and I know it's going to be a good fun. So thank you for that, Brian. Well, thank you, Martinez. Really happy to be on. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, okay. So let's dive in, you know, like what's the story? How did you start it? You know, I probably, you, I know you're going to mention the Robert Kiyosaki book probably at some point, but what is your, yeah, story? Yeah. how did you discover real estate investing? Why did you, did you choose this path? And, uh, like what happened in that period of time? So I got started actually in brokerage. I started in the middle of 2007 and I'd always had an interest in real estate growing up and being, you know, an investor with passive income. So my thought was to get into the real estate brokerage, make a lot of money buying or, you know, helping people buy and sell properties and then save up money and start buying myself. Um, unfortunately, the timing of when I started was, you know, six, eight months before the recession really started in 2008. So I wasn't making much money at all those first four or five years. I was really struggling just to pay the bills. I was waiting tables on nights and weekends, but I knew it's what I wanted to do long-term and I stuck with it. And in 2011, I started focusing exclusively on selling multifamily properties. And that's what really got me interested in investing in that market. So um, I built a database, I built a brokerage business, I helped build out a team, and I worked for one of the top brokerage companies in Chicago called Essex Realty. And, you know, since then I've been selling multifamily properties for investors. Uh, my day job is being able to walk through apartment properties, underwrite properties, see different kinds of mechanical systems, uh, work with all different types of investment groups. And in 2017, I believe I started passively investing. So I invested in two other syndicators, uh, two different syndicators as a passive investor. And then in 2019 started actively purchasing in which I acquired three different properties in 2019. Beautiful, beautiful. So again, like I think you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of probably went in that time frame that you just said like in one minute, but it probably took you like years to find out. But first of all, why commercial property? Like because there is different asset classes: office, retail. You know, you you can get in any of these. You know, like residential, construction. So why multifamily? Why why this particular space? Yeah, you know, I think when I started in real estate as a broker, uh, my first four years I spent working on retail and office spaces. Uh -huh. So I was doing a lot of leasing and selling small retail properties. And I saw during that downturn 
that a lot of the retail spaces went vacant. Yeah. Um, landlords couldn't get long-term or good credit tenants in. So they were taking short-term leases and just even several short-term leases that we signed, the tenants ended up going out of business within 12 months. And then when I got into multifamily, even it was still, you know, height of the downturn, I realized that occupancy rates had stayed up and it had been a pretty safe investment overall. A lot of the people involved in multifamily I ended up making it through a lot better than people in retail or office. So that's why I chose to stick with multifamily. Hmm. Do you believe that people can be successful in office or retail at, at the current you know, moment and look at what's going on with the digital space and everything? Or you kind of stay, stay out, you, you people, you would recommend for people to stay out of it? You know, I think you can be successful in any asset class as long as you learn it. You have to learn the asset class and know the ins and outs of it. Mm -hmm. And again, just spending the first few years in retail and office, I was doing more leasing, not so much on the investment side. Right. So it just wasn't something I saw too many owners struggle with really high vacancy rates. And I think if you factor in vacancy and you buy right, you can be successful in any asset class. But um, I just enjoyed multifamily the most. And that's what I chose. Yeah. Yeah. And for retail and the shopping centers, the location is probably the one, you know, because everybody say location, location, you know. For multifamily, definitely important, but you know, like the jobs and you know, school system, like probably there's a lot of different variables for multifamily space, but for you know, shopping centers, retail, I, I think the location kind of would be, would be, I'm just guessing, but I think that will be the most important thing, you know, to find a, a good location. So yeah, definitely like multifamily I see as a great, you know, entry point, you know, into like, again, from a passive active standpoint, I know there's a lot of people getting involved into multifamily right now because real estate is kind of a, you know, great, uh, sexy thing and people want to get involved in it because it's a no brainer. It's an easy type of business. Of course, there's a lot of different moving pieces as it is in multifamily. So you started pursuing this business and like, can you talk about the deals? Cause you mentioned 2019, you just put in a contract to close three deals. So can you talk about how big those deals were? Like what states are you focusing on? Like what, what is the investment criteria overall for, for you? Yeah. So mainly focusing on the Midwest, um, Indiana is my primary target market. So mm -hmm. the first deal that we acquired uh, last fall in 2019 was a 100 unit complex in Northwest Indiana. And it was a value deal. So, we took out a supplemental, or I'm sorry, a, uh, with a Fannie Mae acquisition rehab loan in which they uh, gave us the rehab dollars upfront. So we purchased it for just about $8.5 million. And the rehab there is gonna be a million dollar rehab. And after two years, we can take out a supplemental loan in which they will base that off the uh, post rehab value. So we're doing a pretty substantial rehab on that property. We're doing, about two thirds of the units, about 10 or 12% of them had already been rehabbed when we took over. So we're doing another 60 to 70 uh, units and then we're spending some money on some CapEx. We're doing a new uh, updating clubhouse, um, new bathrooms in the clubhouse, adding a fitness center, adding some exterior amenities. And it's gonna be a pretty nice project when it's all done. Got it. So what, what, again, what, what is the state that you mentioned? What, which state it is? That was in Northwest Indiana. And the, the, the other two deals are in Indiana as well or different states? The other two deals are both actually in the Chicago market. Okay. So one of them is on the south side of Chicago and one of them is in the west suburbs. And those I happened to acquire, um, actually both, all three properties, I worked with clients of mine in brokerage. So, you know, longtime clients who had become friends. And the Chicago properties, a client of mine was 
Uh, he was already under contract with one of them. I found the second one for him and we decided to work together on both properties. And um, I did all of the acquisition due diligence. I'm doing all the asset management and he had some friends and family that wanted to bring in some capital to the deal. So we ended up syndicating those two deals and those two are 45 and 31 minutes. Got it. It's a very good advantage for you to be, you know, as a broker in these commercial properties, because you're seeing the deal flow that some people are not seeing probably at the current moment, because again, of the relationships that you had previously created with, with you know, your clients. So that, that's a good, actually, that, that's very, that's very interesting. So, so what are you planning to do in the future going for, further, uh, further? Because I imagine in 2020, 2021, you're planning you, you have a set of goals that you're looking to accomplish when it comes to the acquisition part. So what are the states are you planning to invest in? Is it going to be Chicago or is it going to be something, you know, down South? Like what, what you're planning to do? So mainly I'm going to be focusing on Indiana and the Ohio markets in the coming 12 to 24 months. You know, my goal going into this year was to pick up another 325 units or so that would have got me over 500 units of the GP. Uh, with everything going on right now, coronavirus and, you know, the market pulling back a little bit, I don't want to just buy properties just to buy them and hit a number goal. I would rather just focus on hoping to get, you know, one to three good quality deals. And if I hit the unit goal, great, but I don't want to buy just to buy. I want to you know, work with partners and be conservative and just buy quality properties. Makes sense. Yeah, just sticking to the investment criteria and being very specific. Yeah. So, yeah, because there is a lot of people buying the properties, overpaying for them. You know, they're very like done. The writing is not in place. And, you know, those people, are, because nobody puts in a factor like coronavirus, right? Nobody's expecting these type of things exactly. when they underwrite the deals. But these things like unexpected things happen, you know, to everybody. Like if you're even a good person, like bad things happen to good people. So where do you see what's going to happen, you know, like in Chicago and, you know, like, different states with the tenancy and vacancies right now because of the virus if you can talk about that do you think it's gonna like go down like because a lot of people are getting unemployed now and like there's a lot of uncertainty and i spoke with a few investors they said they're gonna you know the government is gonna put in place um basically whatever you know that you cannot evict people so that means that the NOI, the business is going to suffer. So what do you, what do you see going on with, um, you know, leases, vacancies in Chicago currently? Yeah, in both Chicago and Indiana, um, they've halted all evictions for the time being. Mm -hmm. So they put a 30-day freeze on it in Chicago, and I believe a 30-day freeze in Indiana as well right now. Again, that might get extended depending on how bad the virus gets and how much it spreads yeah. over the next couple of weeks. Um, it's definitely going to be a challenge. You know, I think if this ends up being a, you know, where a lot of businesses and people are shut down for two, three, four weeks, it won't be as bad. If this ends up going into two, three, four months, then there's going to yeah. be some significant damage, I think. Um, the government is looking like it's going to step in and help people, you know, start providing some stimulus checks for them. Mm -hmm. um, Illinois, they've talked about suspending all rent and mortgage payments for property owners. Um, nothing has passed yet, so we'll see what happens there. But it could be substantial. And like you said, with evictions being shut down, if a tenant loses their job and they can't pay rent, then that's going to start having a ripple effect that could be pretty damaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to digest everything that's going on currently. I just can't imagine what's going on in the States. Because again, as we spoke before, like I'm not from there. 
but you know there's a lot of uncertainty like people you know losing the jobs they cannot pay the rent and that's going to affect the business owner their overall returns for the investor so it is just a lot going on at that time but like everybody understands the situation and you know once it's going to get better things are going to just you know move on and we're going to come back to the business as usual but you know talking about these times because there's like businesses you still operate as a business person you still probably have the plans to execute and to acquire these deals so you know can you talk about again looking at the stock market people don't look at it as the option to invest in it you know right now what's going on due to that but why is it still because if you're active looking to acquire deals you're looking to raise capital can you talk you know like why people should go still and invest into that, you know, you know, at the current moment and why is this better than any other, you know, investment vehicles currently? Yeah, I think long-term, if you look back at the 2008 and 2009 recession, the apartment owners were typically the ones that were least affected. Everybody was affected by that great recession, but they were the ones that were least affected. You know, the vacancy rates went up, you know, instead of being four to 6%, they went to eight to 12%. Uh, some cases, you know, 13, 14, 15%. But for the most part, they were sustainable occupancy rates where landlords were still able to pay the bills. And I would expect that to be the same thing right now. I think if you're an operator looking to acquire properties in this current stage, you obviously have to underwrite to have a lot more capital in the bank to start, some operating capital, as well as assume higher vacancy and collection or higher vacancy and lower collection rates over the next 12 to 24 months. Um, one area where I see this directly affecting syndicators today is I was on the phone with someone yesterday who they had a, you know, a large property under contract, uh, fully committed, ready to close in a couple of weeks. And their investors now don't want to fund. They don't want to invest right now. They just want to hold back. So they're already hard on their earnest money. So they have to either count on the owner giving them an extension for, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, or they're going to lose a significant chunk of earnest money. Yeah. So you just got to be careful um, how you structure your contracts right now and, yeah. you know, make sure that you have capital committed, you know, even with investors that they would still commit the capital, even if something like this happens or they get a little bit nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a lot of that going on because of the scarcity, what's going on. So, you, you know, it's just about, you know, jumping on a webinar and maybe explaining your investors what's going on. Like, you know, you still have to stay relaxed. You know, the, you, you, you under, the way you underwrite the deal is going to work out in the end of the day. You're going to get the return that, that is promised. Maybe, you know, less than that. But, you know, things are going to keep going after. So you just have to be patient and just work things through. But, yeah, I do understand that people won't want the money back. So that's why I asked that question. So, you know, moving yeah, forward. that we just underwrote. This past week, actually, we uh, same thing. One of the investors who was very high on the deal, he all of a sudden wanted to pull back. So we adjusted our underwriting, and I factored in twenty percent vacancy year one and fifteen percent vacancy year two, instead mm -hmm. of twelve and ten. So just trying to adjust, and we also in increased our initial operating capital to help cover any of the initial setbacks. And the return still looked solid. It wasn't as good as it was originally, but they still looked solid enough where we might go forward. Yeah, 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 got it. Yeah, we, we, we can just talk and talk probably for hours about what's going on currently. And I don't want to make the show kind of skeptical and, you know, like the virus. I mean, it's pretty bad. You should like everybody should take it, you know, serious enough because I see people there like, oh, nothing's going to happen. I'm just going to continue living like it's only the start, you know, and, and you like, yeah. 
so it, it's kind of, it's kind of ugly so it, it's kind of shame that it's, it's going on this uh, this time right now but i mean yeah. life is life so these things do happen so what do you think about because uh, again like i'm i'm like my wife is sitting here in front of me. She has different business. I, I have a social media company we work with a lot of real estate clients at the same time. And, you know, we just post uh, a couple of days ago, we posted uh, on bigger pockets. You're familiar with the platform saying, listen, now is yep. the time to push on the marketing efforts because what's going to happen, as you said, like everybody's on a lockdown, everybody's going to sit at home and they're going to turn on TV. They're probably not going to watch TV. They're going to watch the social media. They're going to watch the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, everything, what's going on with the virus. And some of those just going to, I don't care. And they're going to continue with lives and, you know, educate themselves. And so I think now it's more than ever too important to push the marketing efforts in the market space because everybody's sitting at home and they're just going to be reading the content online. So like, what do you do? And prior to that, uh, like what you did for your, you know, real estate company when it comes to the marketing efforts and maybe some softwares that you use in a business to kind of make it your business to expand, that it helps to expand or just helps the day-to-day -day tasks to run uh, more smoother. Yeah. You know, that's a great point about the marketing. Um, this is a great time to really get ahead of marketing effort. So yeah. I'm spending a lot of time right now building out my database of property owners in Indiana and Ohio, you know, really trying to build out a list, um, you know, doing research, looking up phone numbers, going to put that marketing plan in place. So in the next few weeks, I'll be ready to reach out to individual owners directly, you know, by mail and phone call. And that's something that I've been wanting to do for a while, but I've been so busy between my brokerage job and running these three properties that that's just kind of fallen to the wayside. But now that things are a little bit slower, it's definitely a good time to get ahead of those marketing efforts for sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's and it's a long-term play. Like everybody who's watching this, you want to get involved into real estate. And I'm going to ask you maybe a question from, you know, active uh, investor standpoint, because I know there's people currently watching right now and thinking like, I want to be an investor. I like the space. Like I always see myself. I read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad and maybe a few books that you can re recommend later that people can read. But like branding and marketing, because like everything is changing, business is changing and they have to take the marketing approach now and then because, I mean, that's, that's the way you're going to survive because in this day and age, business are dependable and the real estate industry is very old, outdated. Everybody still do this, handshakes, probably less, less now handshakes, but you yeah. know, <laughs> it's, it's still outdated. Like, and that's why it has to implement the marketing, the social media strategies, because what's going on in the U.S. And I have people that I talk with who are business owners in Europe, and they're looking to pr protect the capital due to what's going on, even before the market crash. There are, everybody's asking question, how do I protect my money? Like, where do I invest? Yeah. What do I choose? And a lot of people are looking towards the U.S. as this you know, pot of gold and, you know, like you, you, you can invest into the deals like multifamily where you're going to protect and grow your capital. So huge tax advantages, you know, like there's a lot of great benefits in multifamily space. So I think for somebody to reach those people, they have to push a lot on the marketing efforts. So coming back to the active real estate investing, somebody who's watching, they want to get involved. What will be your kind of a, you know, simple few tips for them, how to get involved into this space, particularly multifamily? Yeah, you know, I learned a lot by investing passively. So if somebody's brand new at this and they haven't done anything, I would certainly recommend investing passively if possible in a couple different sponsor deals. You get to learn a lot as far as, you know, how they underwrite, how they handle a rehab project, how they communicate with investors. Um, I'm curious 
this year from the two sponsors that I've invested in over the next 30 days. How are they preparing for the coronavirus outbreak? How are they preparing to handle what could be coming in the next 90 to 180 days? So you just learn a lot about how other people do it. So that's one way. Another way to get started is if you have a different skill set, you know, there's a lot of ways to be involved on the active side. You can underwrite for people, you can handle due diligence, you can put up earnest money, you can do the asset management. Try to find one or two skills that you're good at and partner with somebody else who's good at the other skills that you need. And you can get your way into a general partnership deal. And even capital raising, although you can't just capital raise, you have to still have an active part of it, whether it's investor relations or asset management. But there's a lot of different ways that you can get involved on the active side. So um, I learned a lot by starting on the passive side. And then on the active side, you know, I think I had a little bit of an advantage as a long-term multifamily broker. I've already done underwritings for hundreds of units or hundreds of properties and walked thousands of units. So um, that certainly helped out. But you can always bring something to the table. You know, uh, people trade time for money all the time. So if you have a certain skill, you can trade your time doing that skill and partner up with somebody who can use that, you know, use help in that area. Yeah, de definitely love it. I love what you just said about, you know, adding value to somebody who's actively involved into the deals because that's that's another way, way you know, like adding adding value in multifamily space, improving the NY, and you you want to add value to the people at the same time who do, who do that because they probably, you know, if you're looking to expand the business, you probably need more people to do so. So if you have valuable skills, such as you mentioned, underwriting, raising capital, you know, relations, you, you're, you're good at networking, like whatever, you know, pick, pick a thing. And if you're good at it, get in contact, let's say with Brian and say, listen, I'm, I'm great at underwriting or whatever thing and just offer him, you know, your service for free into, let's say, you know, can you give me a few advice how to do X, you know, thing, whatever. So if you're, you know, accredited, definitely, you know, it makes sense, a ton of sense to go and invest passively, earn the money, you know, earn the, earn, earn the money on the, the, that you're invested and just learn, you know, about investing that way. If you're accredited, do you, do you accept the non-accredited people in your deals as well, or it's only accredited? So, so far, the ones that we've done have just, uh, out of the three deals, two of them were syndicated and it was just friends and family money. So we haven't gone out and done a full accredited only uh, situation. Uh, they were. Like I said, those were the 45 and 31 unit deals, and that was his friends and family. So um, right now it's been open. And again, I'm not sure if the rest of this year will lead to another syndication deal or if it's going to be more of a joint venture like I did on the first one. But we'll have to see. Um, but to go back to your point about getting started, I think networking is huge. You know, go to networking events, go to meetups. Most of them are free or they might be five or ten bucks to get in. Um, there's online Facebook groups you can join. You know, I actually just started a meetup group in Chicago. So I've been, you know, trying to use that to network as well. So I'm still out there networking. Anybody who's looking to get started, start going to free local events. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Because, you know, that like if you want to build a successful business, you need people. And you need to talk with the people who are already established in the space like, like, like just Brian is. So you need to meet with them and, and grab a coffee and say, hey, listen. You know, I want to pick your brain or whatever approach you want to take. But do you believe in the mentorships? Because there's a lot of right now people offering um, mentorships that could be five, six figures or, you know, less than that. Let's say 50, 50 bucks an hour. So do you believe in that? And should people take that approach when, when they're starting in a business? You know, I think it depends on their personal situation. Um, I haven't done a mentorship myself. I have joined a networking group that, you know, has been great. I would definitely say get out there and network. Uh, mentorship is, I've known people who have been very successful at it, who have done it and had a lot of success. And I know people who have done it and it's turned out to be a waste of money. I really think it depends on how committed you are to this. 
And if, you know, there's plenty of good mentors out there that they are expensive. They're, you know, five, you know, mid five figure coaching programs. But if you're willing to commit to it and listen to the people that are on the other side of it, then it could be, you know, a way to get a quick start in that. And also, I think the most, uh, the best way to benefit from a cost perspective is that you can, by leveraging somebody else's skills and experience, you can avoid a very expensive mistake early on, which could set you back both time and money. So if you're committed to it, I think certain coaching programs can be great, but don't spend that kind of money unless you are fully committed to doing this um, because you need to be, you need to have that level of commitment to really see the benefit of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And that's where people, as they say, lose money. Because they, they're not fully committed. They're not, they're not fully committed yeah. to, you know, building the business, improving themselves, and they're going to hire the person and they say, okay, do this, do that, and they don't follow up. And, you know, that's what happens. So, but I was just looking at the bio, and I would love to ask you just one question about $600 million in real estate transactions through your career that you did as a broker, right, in a commercial space. Uh, I, I know it's been 13 years, but, you know, again, for the people who are looking and they're brokers, because I was a broker before, but I was in a, a single family space uh, in residential. So how do you how do you manage to do that? Six hundred million. I mean, what what did you do to accomplish these these huge numbers? Uh, well, about six years ago, when I moved over to uh, the Essex Realty Group in Chicago, I started and built out a full team. So now we have a team of five people, you know, we have one full-time marketing person and then we have four brokers. And so I think really just expanding the team and that way, you know, our team was part of, you know, over a hundred million dollars or just under a hundred million dollars last year, just alone. So I think as you start as a broker, you're just looking to do a deal at a time to, you know, provide some income and pay the bills. But then as you get more experience, you do more deals it makes more sense for you to leverage out a team, you know, bring on a junior broker, then they can start, you know, making some of those cold calls and you're working on building your existing relationships. So really it's through a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. And I love what you just said. I just need to take a note because you said a very important thing that, that, that I need to do actually. So sorry about that, but it's kind of important. I don't know if you guys caught that, what, what he just said, but you know, Actually, assistant. You mentioned assistant. And I just remember I need an assistant. So thanks for that. But, uh, you, you know, it's, it, I, love the, I love that you, what you do, you take an approach where you're actually, um, you know, you work in this commercial space and you have all these deal flow coming in with, a, you know, multifamily properties, office space, retail. It could be different, right? But you, you're seeing the deals that some people are not seeing. Again, it's through the relationship. And, but what I want to talk about, because you've probably seen some people either on social media level or in person that are earning crazy amount of money. Because again, the, the fees are bigger in, you know, luxury, let's call, you know, real estate, like, you know, residential space than in commercial. Cause in commercial, I'm just guessing it's like three, three, it's less probably 1.5%, like 3%. What, what is the fee? It depends. You know, we focus more in the one to $20 million range. Yeah. So a fee on a million, million and a half dollar property is in that five, five and a half range. You oh. get up to the 15, $20 million range. And then the fees get to that one, one and a half, maybe 2% range. So yeah, between one and 5%, I would say are standard fees. Yeah. 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 Because again, the fees are bigger in the luxury space. Like, so when you came across the the brokerage, like I'm very curious, cause I want to like, still, I want to know the story. 
how did you decide to go into commercial or have you started in residential and, and then went to the commercial? No, I never did any residential. Um, I always had an interest in commercial for some reason. And the way I got started, my mom was actually a residential agent, you know, 20 plus years ago. And one of the younger commercial guys at her office ended up starting his own commercial firm out in the suburbs here where I was from. And so she had kept in touch with him over the years. And when I showed interest in getting into real estate, she told me to go meet with him. And so I met with him. And by that point, he had his own commercial firm that he had started a few years earlier. And so he hired me on there. So that's how I got started. But I did not do any residential. I went right into commercial. Yeah, yeah. And what would you recommend for people? Again, because you're positioning yourself for a long game. You, you want to invest on the commercial properties yourself. So which one is better? I know it's kind of, you know, it depends on a person, but like, would you recommend for people to go in a, because it's very crowded, like it's very crowded space. There's a lot of people, you know, working as brokers and there's a lot of competition. So like, how do you even get into this space? Because I was a broker before and I mean, that was tough. That was back in the day where there was no marketing, phone calls, you know, ads through the newspaper. We go in a shop and we're, you know, the, the, the place where you, they print the newspaper. We're the first ones in line. We're getting the newspaper. We're calling the first. It was crazy. It was insane. There was no marketing and stuff. But how, how is yeah. that? What is the entry point for somebody who wants to get involved as a broker? Like, what, what are the traits, skills? Is there some personality, DNA that I need to have to become successful? Or are there some certain things that I need to learn in this business to become successful? I think there's a couple things. Uh, you know, you can enter in the, either the residential or commercial space. Um, residential probably transacts a little bit quicker. You know, you can go from contract to close in 45 or 60 days. But commercial properties, especially the bigger they are, the longer they take. Some properties take, you know, four, six, 12 months that we go, you know, deal cycles. So it can be a long time. As far as traits, I definitely think you need, uh, you need tenacity. You need to be willing to work really, really hard, especially that first 12 to 24 months. Not a lot of people make money in brokerage over that first year. And some people get in, they don't make any money for the first year. So you have to be willing to go, you know, six, 12, 18 months without much income. And but be willing to know that if you work hard and you do the right things, you can come out of it on the other end so much better off where you're essentially an entrepreneur working for yourself where you can build your own team and have other people working with you. So I would say, you know, tenacity is probably the number one uh, thing. I think in either side, residential or commercial, you want to get out and network, go to as many events as you can, especially when you're starting out new. Um, every person you meet is a potential client or a potential referral for a client. So you just never know. Sales? Do you need to learn sales? Uh, you do, but, you know, especially in commercial, I've never really felt like I was a salesperson because, you know, it's not like if you're going, if you're shopping for a car, you know, you want to go to a car dealership, you can get sold on a car and you take that car home that day. Mm -hmm. In property, whether it's residential or commercial, even if somebody sells you on the property, you're just going under contract. You're not closing for 45, yeah. 60 days at minimum, if not, you know, three, six, nine months. So it's not really, it's more of a, you know, you're providing guidance and more of a consultant in yeah. brokerage, I feel like, than you are a salesperson. Yeah. So you do need to have certain sales skills, I guess, to, you know, help people see your point of view. Objections, but I've never felt like I was a salesperson at all. Yeah, yeah. So objections, negotiation, basically all that kind of handling the the situation. Because what I'm what I'm saying, sales, it doesn't mean that we're here. You know, if you're a broker, you have to actually sell somebody. You know, something kind of 
you know, because when everybody, because probably when I said sales, you probably had in mind, man, it's ugly, like sales ugly, nobody wants to do sales. But sales is, is what? It's basically providing the service for people, just showing them the things that they maybe don't have a clue, like, do I need this house? Like, I, I was interested into, into buying this house, but now they're kind of backing off and for whatever reason. So now you need to find out why is this happening and why deal is going bad. And, yep. you know, so... So negotiation, yeah, all these skills are super valuable. So what do you think about the personal development? Because I'm sure you read a couple of books or went to a couple of seminars at least would say before. So what will be kind of three personal development, business, real estate books that you would recommend for people to read? Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was obviously one that I've read a couple of times. I read first in high school and then I reread it again a few years ago. Um, that obviously just kind of changed my thinking as far as, you know, being an employee versus an entrepreneur. Um, another book that I thought was great was How to Win Friends and Influence People yeah. by Dale Carnegie. And I think that book is just so important for a lot of different industries and a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. um, as far as real estate on the syndication side, uh, I think Joe Farrell's book, The Best Ever Apartment Syndication Book, yeah. that's really like a start to finish guide of Bible. how you can... Yeah, it is. It's like a syndication Bible. You know, I've read it and I've re-referenced it several times on my journey the last couple of years. So yeah, those are probably the three books that I would recommend to somebody. Yeah, definitely great books. And what you mentioned, like Joe Fearless, yeah, he's super amazing book. Like anybody who wants to get involved or just to learn syndication, grab a book, you know, go, go to the Amazon and go and check it out because it's well worth it. I mean, it's going to pay you back hundred times over. So yep. really appreciate the time today, Brian. You know, it's, it's been very insightful and I see you have so much energy. Uh, probably, I don't know, do you still do the business, business as usual to what's going on with the virus or you kind of work from home? Like what's happening in your space currently? You know, our office, uh, you know, we're still active in the business. Um, we haven't shut down. They did tell people to work from home. So there's no reason, you know, we're fortunate where we can do our jobs remotely. So they have... Our company has told everybody to work from home, which we are. Uh, we're doing limited tours for apartment buildings. You know, tenants don't want people walking through their units and potential buyers don't really want to walk through random people's apartment units. So we're doing tools. limited tours. You have virtual tours? Or, yeah. yeah, some tours on vacant units, um, but it's been limited. It's yeah. been much slower. So I'm really, like I said before, taking this time to... I'll build up my marketing system and, you know, try to do some researching, databasing, uh, building out a marketing platform and really just doing some of those back end things that will benefit me going forward. Here you go. So another, you mentioned marketing. I got the book. It's very too far over there, but it's a great book. It's talking about how to dominate the space in, in the times where there is uncertainty. And this man, my wife is actually getting the book. So thank you. So this is the book. You probably know the, the, the Grand Cardone. Oh, yeah. You're not first, you're last. Dominate your market and yep. beat your competition. Very great book. And that's, that's why I'm reading it because, again, in the times like this, because he wrote the book in the 2007 8. Like, you need to just get in the mind state. And again, because you guys, uh, guys and girls sitting at home now and have a lot of time in your hands when you can actually go and prepare, you know, like do your research, do the homework, invest into yep. yourself, like, you know, do the market research, you know, invest into the marketing approaches and find the ways like, you know, now is the time to do something. 
definitely. Don't be yeah. a victim, be a victor, you know, just, just go and learn stuff. And that's, again, why I want to thank you so much for being today on the show because you gave, you know, um, still, I, I know you can give so much, and but the time is limited. And I would like to people to go in contact with you so they can learn more about what you do and, you know, deals that you have and everything that it comes to the real estate. But, you know, thank you, Big, uh, you know, for providing all the information. So what is the social media platforms that you have currently available for people to get in contact with you? Um, so you can go to my website. It's arc, A-R-C, equitygroup.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, or you can email me at brian, B-R-I-A-N, at arcequitygroup.com. Here you go. And all the links, as, as always, guys and girls, you can find down below. Just click one of the links and get in contact with Brian. Ask him the questions that you want about real estate investing. And again, it's a true pleasure to get to know you. I hope all is well. It's going to continue the business as usual. I hope the family is going to, you know, be, be all right for you as well. You know, uh, whoever is watching, you know, be safe out there, you know, protect yourself and, you know, your family and just get everything in order and get in control. So I appreciate the time and effort, Brian. Uh, thank you for being on the show. And guys, as always, if you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Click like, subscribe to the channel. As always, you know, I appreciate you watching and I'm going to see you on the next episode. Thank you.